the wide, wide world of sports is going on in. Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. No more back thinking, time for thinking ahead. The world has changed so very much from what it used to be. There's so much hatred, war and poverty. Oh, wake up all the teachers, time to teach a new way. Oh, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, you had better wake them up, get them up, get them going Tuesday on B&E. Off we go, four hours of stimulating conversation begins right now. Appreciate you being there. If you're a Longhorn baseball fan, this too shall pass. The sun will rise up today, but the Longhorn baseball season came to an uh, inexplicable end last night in Palo Alto, California. What a ball game. And what a uh, downer of a way to end it and end the season for the Horns. It was a great way to end the uh, NBA season for the Denver Nuggets last night in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets finish it off. Uh, an incredible playoff run. And we'll certainly talk some NBA as well. College World Series in Omaha is set. That won't include the Texas Longhorns. We'll begin to preview that situation and uh, Major League Baseball as well. A lot to do on this Tuesday morning. Appreciate you being there. 13 of June. Uh, appreciate how you, however you find us on 104.9, maybe on the FM dial, 101.9 FM, AM 1260. And, you know, we are always streaming for you digitally. Take us wherever you go. If you want on vacation this summer and uh, enjoying some downtime, take that Horn app, download it. You can listen to the shows wherever you are, wherever you can find Internet access. You'll be able to hear us and listen live and local. Also, always streaming on your Smart speaker at home and work, and always, Mr. Godbolt, good morning at hornfm.com. Good morning to the soldiers at Fort Cabasas, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas, and all those that fight for us each and every day. Thank you so very much for what you do. Thank you to you and your families for sharing you with all of us. We appreciate it. Thank you very, very much, and be careful out there. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, Tuesday now. And uh, we'll get into the, the, the particulars, but, man, what a heck of a ball game. It'll lead to conversations of, uh, man, worst ways to, to to lose a game, end a game. Can of corn. Uh, well, it, it was a it was more than a pop-up. I mean, it was in the air seven seconds, seven and a half seconds. It was a sky-high pop uh, off the bat of Drew Bowser last night. Let's get you caught up on the uh, the news and, and obviously how it uh, – and recap how it went last night. Very disappointing for the Texas Longhorns. UBO Business Services brings it to you, and we'll start with college baseball. Yeah, that epic Super Regional Final last night out in Palo Alto – Ended on the agonizing side, and on, as we said, the inexplicable side for the Texas Longhorns, the way it went down. Texas and Stanford ended up playing in a winner advances to Omaha in the College World Series Game 3. Went back and forth. Stanford jumped out early 3-0 on a Drew Bowser home run in the second inning. That guy's been clutch all weekend for the Cardinal. Horns responded with a three-spot of their own. A two-out rally in the fourth inning nodded the game. Uh, Cardinal immediately added three more in the bottom of the fourth to retake that three-run lead, and that held until the eighth inning when Texas rallied again. Peyton Powell, big double. Then a two-out single from Dylan Campbell nodded the game at six. In the ninth, it was tied at six when uh, Texas ace Lucas Gordon had come out of the bullpen. Uh, two runners on board, but two outs, and he coaxed that sky-high fly ball I mentioned from Stanford's Drew Bowser. Should have ended the inning and sent the game to extras, but neither center fielder Eric Kennedy nor right, right fielder Dylan Campbell saw the ball off the bat 
or could locate the ball in the twilight late evening California sky, and it fell in harmlessly for a walk-off winner. Stanford claims the 7-6 win, bring the Longhorn season to an end for an obviously disappointed head coach, David Pierce. Kids just battled their tails off all year, and you told me March 15th that we would have opportunity to go to Omaha in a one-game winner-take-all. I'd take it any day, but at the same time, I hate the way we lost the game. You know, just losing the ball in the lights and right in the center of twilight just wasn't meant to be, I guess. And bad timing, to say the least. Texas right fielder Dylan Campbell, who's one of the best, if not the best, corner outfielder in all of college baseball, explained what he saw or, should we say, did not see in uh, that final play. Honestly, I don't even know. Um, I mean, like you saw, it was just just mother nature. I mean, it was a twilight sky, and me and EK couldn't see the ball um, off the bat. So, I mean, that's just very fortunate on there and that it happened like that. Um, I mean, I don't. I guess we just got to move forward, I guess. I mean, there's nothing we can do about it now. Stanford and Tennessee uh, rounded out the field at the College World Series with wins last night. Uh, joining the six others that had gotten there on Sunday. NBA, after 56 years as a franchise, including the last 47 in the NBA, the Denver Nuggets can finally say they are champions, becoming the 19th franchise ever to win the NBA title. Nuggets battled through a sluggish first three quarters, then held off a furious Jimmy Butler-fueled comeback in the fourth to hold on and close out the NBA Finals in five games, 94-89. Win capped a 16-4 march through the playoffs for the Nuggets. They were dominant, and they were led by their 28-year-old Serbian superstar Nikola Jokic. The two-time league MVP can now add Finals MVP MVP to his resume. He finished Game 5 with a game-high 28 points, 16 rebounds, including 10 in the final quarter. He is now one of 11 players in league history with at least two regular season MVPs and another in the finals. More impressively, he becomes the first player ever to lead all players in the playoffs in points, rebounds, and assists. The Young Nuggets have already opened as the odds favorites to win next year's title as well. Next up in the NBA, the draft is a week from Thursday, followed by free agency in July. Major League Baseball, first place Rangers returned home last night to open a homestand and ran into Shohei Otani and the Angels. The game's best player, Homer, twice drove in four to lead the Halos to a 14-inning, 9-6 comeback win. Otani now leads the American League with 20 home runs this season. Astros and Round Rock have the night off. Houston opens a series with Washington tonight. Express open a 12-game homestand at Dell Diamond, starting with El Paso tonight at 7.05. And Finally, surprising news from college softball yesterday, just days after leading Oklahoma to a third straight national title. Their ace pitcher, Jordy Ball, announced she is transferring back to her home state, and she will play at Nebraska next season. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. As this text says, on to football, on to football. Well, yeah, unfortunately, that's the way it is. It's, that's the way sports goes. And you heard Dylan Campbell say it, Mother Nature, rough time. You know, it was about 10.20, I believe, local time, which make it 8.20 on the West Coast, which is right about sunset. And the lights are just coming on. And, uh, you know, just a, a terrible time for a high pop fly. Yeah, that's, that's a tough way to lose. In, in a game that felt like it was trending in the Longhorn direction. It really did. I mean, the momentum um, was, to me, firmly in the Texas dugout, especially if they had caught that ball because they had runners on and Stanford had a threat there. Plus, uh, the kid, uh, Rios, had hit the ball off the wall that looked like a home run in the ninth inning. Looked like it was going to be a walk-off dinger. Uh, he, of course, thought it was a home run. It hit the bottom of the wall, and he ended up at second base. Um, but, you know, to, to dodge that bullet and then to get out of the frame with Lucas Gordon on the mound and, you know, going to the bat in, in the top of the 10th, you kind of just felt like, I mean, no guarantees, but you felt good about where the horns were. The three-out rally in the, or the, uh, the three-run rally in the eighth inning to tie the game. Uh, Dylan Campbell making that sparkling throw from right field to, to 
you know, and throw out the tagging runner from second base, one of the better throws you'll see uh, from any outfielder at any level of baseball. Just felt like the Longhorns were trending in a good direction, and then that ball falls harmlessly, and uh, no one ever saw it. Well, I think the only person that saw it was Mitchell Daly, the shortstop. He was running out, uh, realizing that neither of his outfielders saw it, and um, he was too far to get there, and uh, that's how the game ended. That's how the season ended. That's a tough way to go. Yeah, it is. It just, I mean, that's that's a tough time of the evening, yeah. I guess. And I mean, and uh, obviously. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you can't, I mean, neither guy could see the ball. Right. Yeah, there's, you know, there's there's mental errors that are made. There are physical errors that are made in baseball and any sport. And there's just there's stuff just, that happens. <laughs> there's just bad luck. Just bad luck. If you, I mean, again, those are two of the premier outfielders in college baseball, a six-year senior and center. And, a, you know, if they give out gold gloves in college baseball, Dylan Campbell would certainly get one. Uh, so you know, hard to fault those guys. They just never saw the baseball. And, uh, you know, they started that game at, at what, 4 o'clock on the West Coast or 5 o'clock on the West Coast. So, um, you know, for TV purposes. And, yeah, and they don't play that that in that part of the country. They don't get, the, you know, the times and how things start to, to happen. I mean, I'm sure you practice and practice and practice, pop flies in the lights, above the lights, in the daylight, in the nighttime. I mean, just it's just bad luck. Yeah, not your home park, not used your to home, that yeah. uh, California sky. And, yeah, I mean, you could argue if that game had started at like a 7 o'clock West Coast time and was 10.20 at night, they see that ball pretty clearly because yeah, the twilight's gone, the sun, just the lights are happens. on. That was, that was a, another good ball game. Oh, man, great ball game. And I uh, really felt like it was going to be a struggle bus for the Longhorns. And, um, you know, obviously Tanner Witt continues to battle his way back, but he's not, he's not close to, to where he wants to be. Uh, but man, I thought Zane Morehouse, you know, gave you some really, really good innings last night. Yeah, he was okay. Uh, well, he had one rough inning, uh, but other than that, that three-run fourth, he gave up, and he, you know, got back to being the guy that will walk some guys. But from that point on, he really locked in, and uh, you know, gave you some really, really quality innings uh, to, to stretch. He went six innings in the game, had one bad one, so five really strong innings behind Tanner Witt, who only gave you three outs, and then Zane Morehouse was outstanding. And so because of that, because you got six out of uh, Nightmare and you had Lucas Gordon, who might have been done, that might have been it for him, that they caught that baseball. Yeah, you had uh, Charlie Hurley and uh, Ace Whitehead rolling up in the bullpen there, so you still had some fresh arms down at the end. I thought the game really flipped for, for Stanford. And when once again, you know, Ryan Bruno, their closer, came in the game in the middle of the ball game, and, you know, he was the one that, you know, walked the bases loaded essentially the other night when the Longhorns came back to steal game one of the series. Mm-hmm. And they brought him back out, and he threw a four-pitch walk. I mean, then the last one was in the dirt, and they went and said, we're going to get this guy, get him out of here. Well, that really hurt their bullpen because they had to go to Drew Dowd, their other lefty, a lot sooner than they wanted to. And, you know, at that point, you're starting to look at the number of outs you can get, and they were going to get pretty deep into their bullpen at that point because Bruno only gave you one batter and didn't record an out. And then you had to get uh, Drew Dowd onto the, onto the field and then Matt Scott, who the Longhorns rallied against he, Dowd and Scott to, to, for that three-run eighth inning. So you were into the part of the bullpen that you wanted to be in, it felt like, but, you know, obviously never got to come back to bat again. And uh, that's the way the season ended. It's, uh, um, you know, I, I would say it was more than a pop-up this summer. It was, it was you know, seven seconds in the air as a long hang time. It was a sky-high pop. But, yeah, as you said, about can of corn, that's a ball. Yeah. Normally, with normal conditions, they catch, you know, 100 times out of 100. And uh, had plenty of time to, to camp under it and make a play. But if you can't see it, you simply can't see it. And, That'll go down as one of the tougher ways to end a season in Longhorn baseball history. I have to imagine that was uh, really, really tough. And best of luck to Stanford. They'll now advance and play Wake Forest down in Omaha, and uh, the Longhorns will start working towards next season.
for Coach David Pierce. But a tough one for sure. Um, it, again, I just felt like the Longhorns were going were gonna to find a way to win that game, which I didn't think they were going to do for most of the ball game. When they fell behind 3 nothing early, then 6-3, you're thinking, okay, this is, this is getting tough. But uh, Zane Morehouse's performance and the, the, the big rally, the, I mean, Stanford kept running themselves into outs with terrible base running in this game. And it just felt, felt like, man, Texas is going to go ahead and steal this game, just like they did game one. Mm-hmm. It looked a lot like that. Yeah, I mean, it felt like in this series, Stanford was the better ball club, like, you know, just total package. But they were they were making, you know, careless mistakes, it felt like, and uh, their pitching was not where they wanted it to be. And, uh, you know, but then, then again, the, the ball dropped and the game's over. That's a good Stanford team, though. Pretty good. My goodness. Pretty good. They're more veteran than Texas, pretty stocked with, with, with the lineup and – I mean, the Longhorns, one of the reasons they had their chances is, is, you know, Tommy Troy, their, you know, first-round draft pick at third base, didn't have a huge series at all. Longhorns controlled him pretty well. Uh, Alberto Rios, he was the Pac-12's player of the year. He was the one that hit the ball off the wall. Longhorns controlled him pretty well. He had that double. They ended up scoring the winning run. But, you know, obviously if they make the catch, it's not a winning run. Uh, But Rios, they, they controlled him for the weekend. Uh, Malcolm Moore and Drew Bowser really, really. Uh, yeah, Bowser. I mean, he's got a little bit more power than he looks like he should have. He's a second baseman, but Man. he, yeah, he had another home run. Obviously, early in that game off of Tanner Witt it was his third home run. Yeah, in three games, he had a home run in each one of those ball games. And uh, but you, you kind of weathered their best players. You felt like, and you were into the part of the bullpen you wanted to be in. You had the momentum, and that's how it comes to an end. So it's one of those season ends. You can't do anything about it. You got to move on. But it felt like that was your, your season should have been or could have been extended. If you can make that play, As the Longhorns uh, see it fall harmlessly. Season over, and now we'll uh, you know, start looking forward to next year and looking forward to what should be a heck of a College World Series. Because if you're uh, adding it up, you now have Stanford, who was a top eight national seed. You know, joining what there are five, no six top eight national seeds in Omaha, including the number one team in the country, Wake Forest, uh, who's obviously a really really good ball club. Uh, Florida's number two in the country. They're there. LSU's a top three four team. They're there. Uh, the only two outliers are TCU and Oral Roberts. Yep. TCU is a, a two seed who's playing as good as anybody in the country right now. And as we uh, remember, we talked to Craig Way yesterday in a preview of the game. TCU started the year as a top 15 team, struggled uh, through about half of the year, and then really have turned this thing on and found, gotten some great pitching, and their batting lineup has come to life. So TCU will be a, 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 somebody to deal with, and they're going to face Oral Roberts, who, as we told you yesterday, have won 36 of their last 38 ball games, and when yeah they're feeling it. When TCU gets to Omaha, their first matchup will be against Oral Roberts uh, when they get there. So we'll look forward to that this weekend. Unfortunately, Longhorn fans maybe over uh, there with with numbers. <laughs> you probably think with so. Runs, wow. Yeah, you know, well, Longhorn fans will think, man, we should have been facing Wake Forest, but uh, Stanford, the better ball club, they get the victory. Seven six season comes to an end. Uh, Ty, can you think of uh, worse endings than that? Worse endings than that for Longhorns or for your favorite team? Well, I don't want to bring up the Nelson Cruz situation in the Ranger game, but that's similar. Similar in that, but Nelson Cruz should have made the play. I can't fault either Texas player for not making the play if you don't see the ball. Yeah, he mishandled the ball, really. Yeah, I thought, you know, Matt, Nelly Cruz in 2011 didn't give you what I thought would be max effort, sellout effort to, to catch a, a final out of a ball game. I would have rather lost the walk-off home run. That yeah. didn't happen. That's I think that you know what I thought. Oh, the same that dude thing hit as the put, bottom of the that dude hit the bottom of the, the it, wall, and he was jogging in and almost got. T- what was he doing? He should have been. I think he should have been out for the fact that he was he threw his helmet onto the. Well, know, there were th- th- there's two pieces of controversy there. A, the Stanford players run out of the dugout, 
and were somewhat on the field. They thought it was a home run too off the bat, but it you know obviously had had a lot of topspin on it. It felt like and sunk into the to the base of the floor. Did it ever? And, and he uh, was on a slight jog almost. He threw like, his helmet in the air. I'm like, dude, you better get the get the hump. And that was with two outs. I mean, you tag him out right there. You're going to the top of the yeah. tenth. Yeah, that that was controversial. And David Pierce came to argue that they got poor. They were fortunate on that. Yeah, and there is a rule that you have to have a helmet on. And he did not. He threw his helmet down, and there could have been an out. I don't think the hometown officials are going to – umpires are going to call that. Uh, there was also the situation with Porter Brown when he put his hand into the oncoming curveball that uh, was called a, a strike, and he struck out in that spot earlier in the game on a hit by, on a hit batter. And there was no doubt he put his hand into the ball. But at the same time, that was a struggle because that was ball four. I, mean, I think it, I think that was the right call, though. I do, too. We got we – got, that ump was helping us out with some strike zone stuff. Yeah, that guy's strike zone was tight. Lucas Gordon even dealt with that a little bit in the ninth inning. Everybody was. That was a skinny, narrow license plate of a strike zone. But, yeah, Porter Brown did stick his hand into it. But he, the, the, the frustrating part, if you're a Longhorn fan, was he didn't have to. That was ball four. I mean, just get out of the way and you're going to go down to, go down to uh, first base and uh, – but, you know, somewhat controversial, at least where David Pierce was arguing. They reviewed it, and it was pretty obvious. Yeah, but in the end, the, uh, it's just frustrating. That's just the, the, the word. I mean, it's just it's baseball. It's a game. It's sports. And there's going to be a thrill of victory and an agony of defeat, and that's just a tough way. Uh, I don't think they – they're not going to call the guy out for throwing his helmet when he thought he was celebrating. Mm-hmm. Um, the rule says you have to have a helmet on when you're on the base path. So, you know, he couldn't have stayed without the helmet on once he went back to second base. That's against the rules. And, uh, you know, for a brief moment, his helmet was off. And, um, you know, that would have been a ticky-tack call in my mind. Uh, but, you know, the L- Texas fans are also complaining about the uh, the quality of lights at Stanford. That's probably fair, too. Uh, not the best lighting system. But, man, that's playing on the road. That's playing on the road. It man. really sucks that it was between the two guys that carried the team all year, though. Yeah. Well, Dylan and, Campbell and Eric Kennedy. Well, and certainly in this weekend, those two guys here, your power source, your, your run producers. Uh, and then, yeah, getting two of the best outfielders in college baseball. I mean, we remember go back to the Miami series when Eric Kennedy brought back a three-run homer um, that saved the or an early. Oh yeah, and, and Dylan Campbell's made play after play after play and showed his howitzer again on that that, that cannon throw to throw out the uh, tagging runner in, in the eighth inning. Just you know, it's that could, that counts as a hit, wouldn't it? That's not an error. You know, it's touch. a hit. It's a hit. So it's a hit. You know, walk off single um, yeah. is how the game ended. It's how it's in the scorebook. Um, yeah, not an error. They just didn't see it, and then that's that's the ruling in baseball. And uh, really tough. Bad time of night, the whole thing. So Longhorn season comes in. We'll hear more from Craig Way coming up with the Craig Way Report and uh, talk some Texas baseball. Already start to look at the roster and who could return. You just never know these days. We saw it in basketball. We'll see it in baseball. I can say this. They'll need some pitching next year. They'll need to get in that portal and get some older guys pitching, I would think. Well, they did that last year. I thought they did a nice job of bringing in the Charlie Hurleys and sure. uh, developing LeBaron Johnson Jr., who's likely to be a draft pick now. I mean, no one would have thought LBJ was going to be a, a draft pick at the high levels when this season began, but he's pitched his way into a to a guy that the major leaguers, uh, the major league scouts are going to say, man, we've got to get a hold of that guy. Yeah, Dylan Campbell's a junior, correct? Yep. He may be gone, though, right? Yeah, that's that's the uncertainty. I mean, yeah. you know, it's you just don't know. You feel, let's not want anybody to transfer. He feels like this team was very close and likes playing with one another. But Jalen Flores and uh, Jared Thomas, the two freshmen mm-hmm. who started this year, will both you know, likely be back to anchor the the roster. Uh, Dylan Campbell is is um, a junior, and could 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 head out. I mean, that's going to be a question for he and his family. Very likely could. Uh, Tanner Witt obviously has a decision to make. You know, he's draft eligible, but you know he probably head, heads to the major league draft. But he didn't show a lot. You know, coming back, he's just not there yet. Coming off Tommy John surgery, 
So that's a that's a situation you'll have to see. Lucas Gordon is a junior. You know, again, it's just you got to you got to play it out. But yeah, then you hit the portal, and um, you're going to have to add some pitching. I do think you know, much like we talk about with Texas football quite a bit, that you know, development is big. Players want to come where they're not just going to get to play and try to get to Omaha, but also get better and develop their craft. I think Woody Williams, in his first year as the pitching coach at Texas, you know, showed a lot of folks that hey, this guy can develop pitchers. This guy can really. You know, Lucas Gordon was rock all year. Um, you know, and the LBJ, LeBaron Johnson Jr. development has just been tremendous. And even Zane Morehouse, who battled and you know throughout the year, but by the end of the season was pitching his best baseball and really gave you a, a big shot in the arm last night with six really good innings. Um, you know, that's what you when you're when you're selling into the portal or recruits, Buck. You're looking for you know we're gonna we're gonna have a chance to go to Omaha every year and. We're going to develop you for the next level and for your future in baseball. I think Woody Williams has signaled oh, yeah. he can he can do that as a former major league pitcher himself, coming in from junior college, um, put some skins on the wall this year that can be beneficial for the Longhorns on the uh, um, on the. Well, there was market. no quit in that group. I'll tell you what, they just kept on battling inning after inning. They give up three, get three back, give up three more. Just kept coming back. Yeah. Well, they were gritty, and Coach Pierce said it all year. The, uh, the the strength of the team is the team. And I thought they showed that again last night. And that's why it was looking kind of bleak. Not bleak. Would you, you know, you, there's momentum in baseball. And it felt like Stanford had the momentum from the jump because they got the three-run lead, and then Texas tied it, and they took another three-run lead. So through seven innings, it just felt like this was Stanford, Stanford's ball game, and they were going to move on to Omaha. But Texas stole the momentum back with that three-run eighth-inning rally. That and then the the great defensive play and then Lucas pitching out of it. You had Lucas Gordon on the mound who was kind of gaining in confidence there in that ninth inning with his stuff. And um, you're about to come to bat and it just just felt like the momentum was wearing burnt orange at that time. And for the game to end that way was 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 big time disappointing for the Longhorns. So we'll take your thoughts uh, on this team uh, well, throughout the course of the morning. Of course, got four hours to do it. We'll hear from Craig Way coming up. Also in the NBA, if you're I had the two TV setup going last night with my iPad trying to keep up with the. Uh, the Nuggets and Heat wasn't, you know, the, the fourth quarter was pretty damn compelling because the Heat had a 10-point lead in this game. Nuggets felt, you know, looked sluggish for a good three quarters of that ball game. But Nikola, Nikola Jokic, Buck, you know, imploring his team on the, on the bench, uh, they play the, the, the really good fourth quarter, stretch the lead, get behind that home crowd. Yeah, and, I never felt like the Heat had enough points to just say, okay, now they can cruise to a five-point victory or a four-point. It's going to get close anyway. Right. But they just never – you never ever had that feeling that they – they had the the game in control because they were ready to go in the beginning of the game. Well, Jokic is able to get like at the end of the game when it was a close game. You saw him just get like, give me the ball, I'm going to get a layup right here. Oh yeah, almost every single time. Yeah, and they got the ninety. Well, I mean Denver. I mean the efficiency of the Nuggets' offense. I thought Eric Spolster and his team did a good job to keep that group under hundred points is really impressive. I mean that's a good night for uh, sure defensively. But but to Ty's point and to your point, I mean they didn't have enough scoring when they needed no. it. And they couldn't stop Nikola Jokic when they needed to. He was just. Uh, it was know. very similar to how the Heat, you know, how how the Heat beat them. You know, the game where they just kind of, you know, that fourth quarter, you're like, not enough points, guys. It's yeah. not enough. And Tyler Hero never played in the series. And that obviously the Heat are going to have to go out and find some more scoring punch. Um, you know, Max Struess and some of those guys who were heroes for their run through this uh, this playoff run. You is know. Jimmy Butler somebody you build around? I mean, he's sure. older. Well, he's 32. Yeah, I mean, is. He's 32 to be 33 next year, so he's still a really good player. You got probably two more, two more good years out of years him. Out of him. Uh, you know, there's been talk of Damian Lillard, and you know that'll all have play out into July. 
Um, but we know that the Nuggets are locked in and ready to, to go on a run here. Uh, I co- I've compared it to the Spurs' 1999 championship because there are a lot of parallels. The Spurs' first of their dynastic run uh, with Tim Duncan in his second year. And, um, you know, young superstar like Jokic, Tim Duncan's a good comparison there. Young, humble, quiet superstar. And then, you know, they win their first championship uh, with a dominant playoff run. The Spurs that year went 15-2 and in the playoffs. The uh, Nuggets in their 20 playoff games went 20 and no, 16 and four. They never faced an elimination game. They they lost two to Phoenix. That was it. But they swept the Lakers. One loss each to the uh, to to Minnesota and to uh, the Miami Heat. Really, really impressive. And as we've talked about, their their best players are young, under contract, and ready to uh, to come back. And as I mentioned in the headlines, they're already the odds favorite to win it again next year. Yeah, they missed uh, Tyler Hero in this this sure. series. They missed his shooting. Scoring, yeah. He's a liability defensively, which sometimes oh, yeah. can get on Eric Spolstra's uh, nerves as a defensive coach. But, yes, they needed points. And uh, the Nuggets had no peer. Had mm-hmm. no peer. Really, really impressive uh, run to the playoffs. All right, we'll pick up these conversations. Uh, Nuggets champs and Longhorn season ends. Here's a nice text. It says, uh, guys played their hearts out. Couldn't ask for more. That game breaks your heart. This says, uh, uh, hopefully, well, this says, uh, guys, is a baseball fan, but by no means a Stanford cr- fan. Credit to the Cardinal for rallying from the loser's bracket or one game down in both weekends. They did that. So that's credit to Stanford. They're gritty as well. They, of course, were had to come through the loser's bracket to win their regional and then drop that first. And a lot of teams would have would have folded, losing that three-run ninth-inning lead, and uh, Stanford certainly did not. They got no. the great performance from uh, their Quinn Matthews in Game 2 and then found a way to win this one last night, 7-6. to six. We'll come back. Craig Way with more on his uh, report coming up. We'll have some fun as well. It is a Tuesday into the summertime. Talking with you on B&E. Just getting warmed up. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's Bucky and Aaron. It's not warm when she's away. Yeah, no sunshine this morning for the Longhorns, and it was that twilight no sky that got the horns in a 6-6 game in the ninth inning. What would have been the third out and sent the game to 10th to 10th. The extras uh, fell to the ground, and uh, the twilight was a huge factor. And, uh, Dylan Campbell never saw the baseball, nor did Eric Kennedy. Saw a tweet from our friend Greg Swindell, a lifetime le- Longhorn legend, said, gut-wrenching, twilight's been part of the game forever, but damn, that's bad timing. No one yeah, is to unusual. blame. Yeah, unusual when two guys don't see it, yeah. you know? And you could tell neither of them saw it off the bat. Yeah. And if it goes as high as it did, and you didn't see it off the bat, you have no idea. You're just... You know, looking up and you know, because you're that, wondering if the other guy sees it, you got it, you got yeah, it. Yeah, that's as I mentioned. I think the only guy that saw it was Mitchell Daly, who was playing shortstop, and he had he he saw it off the bat, so he was able to track it. It was sort of a weird night, too. I mean, even even here, you know, it didn't get dark till like seemed like it was nine fifteen or What's something. What's up with that? The days are getting longer. I mean, it was long. There was a long. Well, days get it was longer, light outside get... a long time until nine fifteen or so. That was that seemed kind of weird last night. I think I don't think it was that late, but I'll have to look at the sunset time. Uh, but, you know, it's, you know, moving up on the summer equinox, which is yeah. the longest day of the year from sun up to sundown. Thought maybe we had it last night. Might have. Well, that'll be coming. They're not, they're not far from it. So, you know, as you get closer to the exact one, it's the days are longer and longer. Man. And, of course, that was it was only 820 out there, 825 uh, on the West Coast. It was 1025 here. Uh, so, you know, two-hour difference on the West Coast. Uh, but uh, Greg Swindell finished his tweet saying, love this team. They deserve better. Uh, keep your heads high, chins up, proud of the accomplishment. Also, uh, Kendall Rogers of D1Baseball.com had a, a interesting tweet. Said the twilight at Stanford is a real thing. Uh, by the way, as uh, he, he, he pointed out, Texas A&M 
Last week lost two balls in similar fashion that led to runs for Stanford. Difficult to see the ball at night if you're not used to it. And for Stanford, you give them credit, right? Your your team doesn't win, but Stanford faced four elimination games over mm-hmm. two weekends and won every one of them. And so that's a gritty group that will head to uh, to uh, the College World Series for the third it's year good, in a row. And some good baseball games. Great baseball. And that's why I say I think you're going to see some really great baseball when we get to Omaha. You wish, that's why you wish the Longhorns were a part of it. Um, but, man, Wake Forest, we got the you know six of the top eight national seeds that are that are there. Um, not a lot of huge upsets. Oral Roberts is the absolute outlier. TCU is a bit of a surprise. But, uh, man, the rest of it is like because TCU went through Arkansas, and Arkansas was a top eight and a team that you know a lot of people thought it had, had a high opinion of. Right. Uh, TCU took that away. Oral Roberts went to Vanderbilt, and uh, you know, Oral Roberts went to Stillwater. Oral Roberts took out still Oklahoma State, Oklahoma who was State. so disappointing. Uh, if memory serves. But, yeah, they'll all head to Omaha this weekend. Longhorns will be headed home, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to David Pierce to wrap up our conversations for the year because uh, proud of this group. They reached, a, you know, I think, think you know, getting to the round of 16, getting through the Coral Gables Regional, you know, won a share of the Big 12 championship. And, um, you know, when the season began with all the new players and new coaches, I think this thing is now on a good trajectory, and you got to go add more pieces and build around what's back. And that'll be the, the challenge for the Longhorns moving forward. But it'll be disappointing, certainly, to watch the College World Series and not be a part of it uh, coming up this week. And we're also talking about Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA championship last night. Uh, you know, we know this is a humble, non-braggadocious superstar, right? But if you're watching last night and they're doing the celebration, Nikola Jokic wanted no part of it. I mean, he's just standing in the back. He's just – and then he – how about this quote from this guy? Because this is a guy who has raises horses. In, in Serbia, his hometown or his home country in the offseason. And he was asked about winning the championship and with just really a dead fa- deadpan face said, the job is done. We can go home now. Time to go home. <laughs> we can go home now. Time and to he, go to work. And he actually seemed very disappointed that um, the parade they're going to have in Denver is not till Thursday. He's ready to go home. Yeah, it's only Monday. He's like, wait, what do you mean? The parade's Thursday? I'm ready to go back. To, I'm ready to go home to my horses. What are we doing? Uh, so, yeah, he's going to have to wait. He hung out, and he wanted to go back to the mountains and, you know, do his thing. Remember, when that, you know, on two occasions, when he won the first MVP award, he was in Serbia, and they, they had to take it to him to, to, to give That's him right. his, his regular season MVP. And when he signed his new mega contract, you know, the, 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 the reporters, the reports say that, uh, that he, he agreed to it, said, yeah, just bring it to me, I'll sign it. Like, I'm sure you could have done that over, you know, some type of electronic signing, DocuSign, yeah. DocuSign, but it, that was a lot of zeros, man. That's a big contract. No, one I'm going to put, put that in your hand and take it back myself. <laughs> yes, they flew to him and he signed his contract and got that Supermax deal. But uh, they're happy to have him at 28 years old and 16 and four run through the playoffs. We'll talk about some of the numbers that Nikola Jokic uh, put up. But I, I, you know, you like it when a guy like I mean, we, we saw it with Tim Duncan here for years. A, you know, really quiet guy, doesn't really want the limelight. But man, what a player! What a player! Uh, just a rare package. Maybe the the more one of the more unique, you know, players we've seen in in the history of the NBA, history of basketball, does things at his size that, that no other player has ever done. That's why, as I said, he's the first player ever to lead all playoff every team, every player in the playoffs who made it. He scored more points than any player in the playoffs. More he's rebounds. had more rebounds and had more assists. Yeah, that's I mean, never been done. No, he's got the total package. I mean, that team is that that's a very young team that they don't do anything but add pieces to that group. And just get better. Yeah. I mean, Michael Malone, the head coach afterwards, said, We're not done. We yeah, want Post more. Malone's got a good team. He does. And, uh, you know, there's and Michael Porter Jr. is only 24 years old, 6'10, you know, stud who, who could get better. 
Uh, Aaron Gordon is a young player, obviously. And Aaron uh, Gordon is just such a physical monster. Once again, last night. Well, and if you were, you, you know, this guy says so happy for Jamal Murray on the text line. That's true. Coming back from that knee injury, uh, doubt being doubted. I mean, that guy played in the playoffs like an all all first team all NBA player. If he does that, that team's unbeatable. And this is Shaq and Kobe revisited. You have a you have the best big man in the league in a first team all NBA wing with the other players we talked about. That that's I shouldn't say unbeatable. That's a little bit too emphatic. But they're going to be really tough to beat. Uh, a la Golden State when the Splash Brothers came online and the Spurs back in the day, as we've mentioned. But uh, Denver, and I uh, love that quote. That's one of my new favorites. Yeah, The job is done. We can go home now. Yeah, that's a group that will find another another shooter to go along with their size, and that will be a problem for a long time. Long time. Well, and you give them credit for, for guiding guys like Bruce Brown and uh, you know Contavious Caldwell-Pope and guys of that nature who are just really, really nice pieces going around. I mean, those big four, I mean, those are your, your top four players are all young and Uber talented. That is a really, really strong nucleus. So you're right. You, to, to, and there are a lot of good players that you could put around those guys that are going to be very good compliments to what they do, whether they're shooters or defenders. Um, and as you've said, Buck, guys are going to want to play. With, oh yeah, with that guy. And uh, here's the thing with uh, with with Nikola Jokic, which which I'm, I'm heard Eric Spolster talking about a little bit throughout the course of this series. The head coach of the Heat, he's just such an, a problem because as you saw last night. They weren't doubling. They were staying in that zone, and he was able to use his low post moves and his footwork to get whatever he wanted, scoring 10 of his 26 in the fourth quarter, or 28 in the fourth quarter. But if you trap him, which oh, is, um, he'll kill you then. He'll kill you. And, and, but then, then, they, then they got to where they were, okay, well, let's trap Jamal Murray. Let's get the ball out of his hands. Well, then what ends up what happening is Murray immediately pivots to get it to Nikola Jokic, who then it's four on three because you're trapping Jamal Murray and he's always going to find the open guy. I mean, Nikola Jokic from his air traffic tower up there is going to find whoever is unguarded. And yeah, like Ty said, then he got a lot of one-on-ones late in the game. And when he got one-on-one, that was, that was it. When you decided everybody was going to – you cover him, you cover him, we're not going to double-team him, then he said, okay. Yeah. Then you're not going to double me, then I'm going to take whoever you have posting up behind me and I'm going to find a way to get to the rim. And – Great footwork, old-school Kevin McHale-like uh, low post moves, getting to the basket with a soft touch and a soft finish. Just says that Walmart money spends good. First the Rams, now the Nuggets. That's true. That is the, the Stan Kroenke. Stan Kroenke is the owner of the Denver Nuggets. He also is the owner of the L.A. Rams. And, yes. I'm well, rich! Very much so. The The Walmart fortune is pretty good. Pretty good. It's not the uh, the Saudi fund, but it's not bad. You know what I'm Didn't saying? Didn't realize he was a Walmart guy. Who? Stan Kroenke. Yeah. Well, he married into the Walmart. Well, he's also a developer, Cronky. Yeah, he married. He has some corn Walmart. himself. Yes, he's. He got he's, a little bit by himself. I'm sure it was a nice wedding. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it was quite nice. Hey, I hated to see that uh, Pat Sajak is retiring, Buck. Pat Sajak, the longest running game show host ever of all time, is retiring from the Wheel of Fortune. His upcoming season, September, will be his last. Got to be about 73, 74 76. years old. Wow, 41st season. On the wheel of fortune, and he is letting her go. You know who he replaced forty-one seasons ago? Uh, I have, I do not have a clue. Chuck Woolery. Chuck Woolery, who's Woolery. been on every game show yeah. possible. Who now I think lives out at Horseshoe, Horseshoe Bay. Horseshoe Bay, yeah, fishes, fishes all the time. Yeah, all the football fishermen. coaches yep. out there. Yeah, man, it is uh, Pat Sajak walking away. Yeah, those those hot toddies and those highballs are good at lunchtime to him. Did you, He's uh, aged well. Yeah, he still looks good. Remember the failed Pat Sajak late-night talk show? 
That was a bad idea. That lasted for about a year. That was almost as bad as, remember when Magic Johnson did the Magic Hour? I think Vanna's the one who should have had a talk show. I, I, Vanna and her girls. That should, have, that our, should have happened. We have our B&E Fact of the Day segment coming up, but I think it's a fact that I've read that Vanna White has never worn the same outfit twice on that show. And she gets to keep the gear. Yeah. Like she, what kind of closet does she have? How many shows have they She's done? got a house that's just a closet. Yeah. I mean, if you it's new outfits over and over again, and um, she always looks looks her looks the part, does a good job, and um, I need to figure out when it went from f- when she would flip the uh, the squares or to would just light up. She just had to. How old is Vanna? She's got to be sixty something, doesn't yeah, she? Is she retiring as well? Uh, well, I think they are their package deal, aren't they? You can't keep one and not the other. That's what I would say. It's like Batman and Robin. You just but Vanna White wasn't her daughter like doing it. Who was starting to flip sixty six? The- well, you know who's been appearing on the, the Wheel of Fortune show now is Pat Sajak's daughter. Oh, okay. It's Pat's daughter. Okay. And she could replace Vanna or she could replace Dad, whichever one. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe the show will go away. But people love that show, so I doubt it. But he's ready to call it a day. That's what I like about Vanna, right? She, she just stayed in her lane. She just said, I got the easiest job in Hollywood. Nope. That's right. I'm not doing make a fortune. I'm not doing any talk shows. I'm good right here. I don't here. need to do soap operas. No. I don't need to do. I can do 25 shows in one sitting. No. Telenovelas. I'm just going to go ahead and push uh-uh. letters. Push letters. Smile big and have some fun and cut it up with Pat. Drink margaritas at lunch with Pat. You know what I'm saying? She's so, got nice teeth. Just and uh, a nice mouth. That's right. I don't need to stress myself. We'll <laughs> we'll do this thing. All right. We'll come back. We'll have some other BNE facts of the day. Uh, see you later to Pat Sajak at the end of this year uh, and possibly Vanna White. Uh, we'll get the other BNE facts first. Though here's Craig Way with more from Palo Alto. It's Bucky and Aaron. Good choice there, T.Y., blinded by the twilights in Palo Alto. The California skies were troubling for the horns. Not the first team to deal with it, but came at a really bad time for the horns. Their season comes to an end. They're not going to Omaha. Stanford is for the fourth or third straight year. They'll be in Omaha. And as we said, there are one, two, three, four of the top eight national seeds going to Omaha. Wake Forest, Florida, Stanford, and LSU. Um, they were number one, two, six, and seven coming into this tournament, coming into this weekend. Uh, Virginia is uh, number 11 in the country. They're going as well. Uh, the teams that, that uh, were top seeds, Buck, that didn't make it to Omaha, Clemson, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Miami, who Texas eliminated. Uh, Texas almost eliminated two. or had a chance to eliminate two uh, top eight national seeds on their way to Omaha, which would have been quite the feat because, of course, we know they would have met Wake Forest, the number one team when they got there. But uh, it ended in that ninth inning disappointment without a doubt. Also, uh, some B&E facts of the day, Buck. How about uh, Nikola Jokic? First player drafted outside the top 15 to win both finals MVP and regular season MVP. First guy ever to do that. Every other previous number one you know, you know, guy who's won an MVP and a Finals MVP had been drafted in the top 15 picks of the draft. Wow. He was drafted 41st, 41st back in uh, the day by the Denver Nuggets and has developed into the best player in the world. Also off the bench in Denver is Christian Brown, the Kansas Jayhawk. He's the fifth player to win a national title and an NBA title in consecutive years. Won the national title with the Jayhawks. Yep. Then wins the NBA title. He's kind of spoiled at this point because uh, wasn't he a one-and-done guy at Kansas? So this guy comes out of high school. Ty, will you look up and see if Christian Brown won a high school state school championship of some kind? That would be some kind of run because <laughs> he was one and done at Kansas. They won the Natty for Bill Self. Now he's in his first year in Denver championship. 
The other players who have done that, Billy Thompson, Magic Johnson, Henry Bibby. Henry Bibby. And Bill Russell won a, a NCAA championship. And then San one Francisco, year later yeah. won the uh, NCAA. Yep, he won three straight 6A state titles and Where? was Mr. Kansas basketball. He He's was, on a roll. Hold, hold on. So this guy has won a championship for five consecutive years? Yep. That's got to be a record. That's a, that's his high school has a – they declared a day that's called Christian Braun Day. That's how big of an impact he had there. So three straight state titles. And now a national champion. Winning. Something up with this guy. I want him on my team. Right, and he had some big points in that – big moments in that series. And he's one of those another emerging players on a very talented Nuggets roster. Thanks for looking that up, Ty. That's a, that's a, that's a piece of trivia. Yeah, he's found his way in with that, that group right now. I wonder if that's ever happened before. That's got to be a record. I mean, it, I mean, we just mentioned you Bill. Said three, three straight high school state champ, six A state championships in Kansas. Wow, that is how old is this guy? This guy is twenty two years old, so he's won a championship every year since he's like sixteen or seventeen years old. What's what's going to happen when he loses? Filling up the ring case. What's going to happen with that baby face kid when he doesn't win one? It's, like, Kyler, it's like Kyler Murray when he got to <laughs> got to the NFL. Until he got there. Might go into a severe depression if they ever don't win it. He's going to be despondent. Also, we have to give you our seemingly every morning Shohei Otani fact of the day. He hit two home runs against the Rangers last night. Rangers rallied to beat the Rangers in 14 innings, and um, it was Shohei's second home run that was different. He's now got 20 home runs on the year. He struck out over 100 batters as a pitcher. No other player in Major League Baseball has ever done this, where – Third straight season with at least 20 home runs and over 100 strikeouts as a pitcher. You know, the ba- even the Babe Ruth comparisons are starting to go away. He's just doing stuff no one's He's ever surgical done. Surgical at the plate. So good. Not even halfway. Well, get that dude on a, a team bit. that people care about. It's unreal. Get him on your Yankees, Buck. Eventually. I mean, I mean, the amazing part for me with watching Shohei Otani is listening to Major League Baseball players talk about Shohei Otani. Like, not us. I mean, we can all be in awe of it, but at the same time, other players who are among the, the elite of what they do, realizing just how effortless he makes what he and how hard that is to you know, pitch one game and then come back and be in the lineup and be that good at both. And it's really, really unbelievable. All right, so there's some good B&E facts of the day. We'll come back, reset the uh, frustrating headline for Longhorn fans. Also, the NBA Finals in the books. We'll jive into our coach's corner. Where is uh, DeAndre Hopkins? Going to play NFL football next year. He had a visit yesterday. We'll tell you where as we'll get some offseason NFL conversations going as well. B&E on a busy Tuesday on 104.9, 1019 AM 1260. Always stream it. Take it wherever we go on your Horn app, always on your smart speaker, and always at hornfm.com.